May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here today. Woo! Whoa. I want to talk to you this morning about the, uh, wasn't that bell choir good? Thank you for the bell choir. We owe allegiance to the state and to God. Do not confuse the two. And a good Christian is a good citizen. So today's message is about church and politics. Yay. It's Holy Week. Jesus comes into town on the 20, chapter 21, and now he's in chapter 22. Toward the end of his earthly life, he comes in to hosannas and palm branches, and he clears the temple. He heals people. He tells some parables. He tells three parables. And uh, the parable of the wicked tenants that, that kill the servants of the son. He tells the ter- parable of the disobedient son. And then he tells the parable of the wedding banquet and the final one where guy comes in without the right clothing, bind him up hands and foot, throw him out into the outer darkness. He'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are called, but few are chosen. And the Pharisees know that he's talking about them when he's telling these parables. So the plan now is to trip him up. The word that Matthew uses is entangle, which means to ensnare an animal in a trap. The Pharisees um, were lay people. Pharisees were uh, those who kept track of the rules and regulations and the law of Moses, how they were being applied, whether or not you were doing it right, whether you were doing it wrong, the right day, the wrong day, the right way, you're wearing the right thing, you're saying whatever it might be. And they had a group called the Herodians in this story. And these were a group, it was kind of a cult that was... uh, Attracted, it attached itself to Herod, King Herod. Herod was not really Jewish. He was an Edomite. And they were opposed to Rome. They hated Rome. And then you had another group to the right of them called the Zealots. And the Zealots were those who wanted to overthrow Rome. And then to the right of them, you had the Roman soldiers. And uh, if anything happened bad, they were going to come in. Um. Think about it this way. The Pharisees and the Herodians teamed up against a common enemy. Think of Donald Trump and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez teaming up against a common enemy. Now, I don't know who that common enemy would be, but that's exactly what we're talking about here. So he sends, it's interesting, they send their disciples, but not them. They send their disciples, but not them. And as, as I was preparing this and thinking about it, it seems to me that's very much today like Iran with Hamas and Hezbollah and other groups. It isn't Iran that's being directly involved in what's happening in the Middle East right now, but it's their servants that are taking care of this because they don't want to be called out or identified as the one. So they go to butter him up. They know, it says, they know he's truthful. Jesus always tells the truth. And it doesn't matter to whom he's speaking. He's just going to tell you the truth. All truth is God's truth. And whether, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and you the truth. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to hear the same truth. 
You may not like it, but it's still the truth. Now, Paul says, speak the truth in love. And maybe I phrase it or couch it in a different way for you than I would for you, but it's still the same message. It's still the same truth. And to know that Jesus does this all the time. He does not take a poll to know what he should think. He's going to speak God's truth. Unlike some politicians today, if you ask them, what is your position on this issue, Senator? Um, well, let me get with my staff and I'll get back to you. And what he wants to do is find out what the latest survey, study, poll, focus group had to say about that issue, and that will become his position, at least for now. Jesus wasn't like this. Truth was truth, and he told it. So the question today is about paying taxes, to pay or not to pay. That's the question. Should the people of God give money to support an idolatrous state that built pagan temples and shrines? Because that's exactly what they did. That issue, by the way, in 6 AD led to a rebellion by these zealots, and they rose up and tried to overthrow Rome in Judea. And as a result of that, Judea became an imperial state rather than a senatorial province, rather than a senatorial province. A senatorial province, which before 6 AD uh, Judea had been, did not have a governor, did not have soldiers. They're just doing their thing. Everybody's good. We're loving it. You know, Rome could just keep its hands off you, no problem. But after the uprising, they became an imperial state. That's when they began to have a governor and Roman soldiers. And now it's Pontius Pilate. It stayed that way until in 66 AD, the zealots rose up again. And for four years, they battled with Rome. And finally, in 70 AD, Rome came in and just crushed the whole place, destroyed the temple, and that was the end of Israel until 1948. They lost their country. There were three taxes. There was a ground tax, which was a percentage of your crops. There was an income tax, which was 1%. And there was a poll tax for males between the ages of 14 and 65 and women between the ages of 15 and 65. And it was one denarius, a day's wage. So paying taxes to the government can be onerous. I remember... Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Bernardo. We were down in Honduras. We were going to see this boy's um, farm. His dad had a farm. And we had to walk down a hill, through a valley, and up the hill to get to the house. I'll tell you how long ago this was. Shirley Johnson did that. Down the hill, across the valley. Were you there, Red, this time? And up the hill. Hmm? Well, she had help, but she still did it. So the deal was that the father leased the, the land from the Honduran government, so he paid for that. Then they would come and they would see how much land he had under cultivation. They would tax that, and then they would come back and tax the crop. He would tax that. So he grew mangoes. So it was three checks to the government. I remember we also went to another house, and the guy had a bicycle, really nice bike. It was a really nice, a nicer house for Honduras, but he didn't have running water. And Bernardo starts engaging him in conversation. He says, well, the government comes by every year and taxes my bicycle. And they send an inspector out every year. And if I've made any improvements to my house, they tax that. So I don't have running water. And I couldn't figure out why not, because they tax it. So he just goes out to the stream and gets a bucket of water and brings it in, rather than pay the tax. And this is the way the Honduran government 
was operating. And it's the same way that the, that the Jews felt about them. So if Jesus says yes, he alienates the religious folks. If he says no, he crosses the state and he'll be arrested as a rebel. They can't lose. It's a yes or no question. We've got him. There's no way to wiggle out of this. Yes, we pay. No, we don't pay. It doesn't matter. Either way, you're done. You're toast. Is it lawful? Talking about the law of Moses rather than the law of Rome. He says, why are you trying to entrap me, you phonies, you hypocrites? Hypocrite comes from a Greek word, Hippocrates. And the thing was, when they would put on a play, there were more parts than there were actors. And so they would have a stick with a mask on it. And when it came time to change characters, they would put the mask on their face and they would become someone that they really weren't. That's what it meant to be a hypocrite. Promoting yourself as someone that you're really not. That's where it comes from. Putting, and so these guys were putting the mask up. Oh, we really think you're wonderful. You're great. You're truthful. You're, you're this. You're that. Let me ask you a question. And Jesus figures him out immediately. He says, show me the coin. It was interesting. They had it. Jesus didn't. It's a special silver coin. It was the, on the head of the coin. It says, Tiberius Caesar, majestic son of divine Augustus. The other side is his mother, Livia, a portable idol. So he says, render. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. It means give back to Caesar what belongs to him, not give to Caesar what belongs to you. And as long as it's money, go ahead and comply. They're marveled and they went away. The word marvel could be translated gobsmacked. They didn't know what to make of this. What just happened? Should have been a slam dunk. We had him dead to rights. It's yes or it's no. Either way, he's toast. Huh? How did this happen? The first gift here is respect for the state. Render to Caesar. And they have certain responsibilities, water, sewage, defense, law and order, roads, fire protection, etc. The government basically has three functions. You can say more, but it's to protect, punish, and promote. The government is there to protect the people from those who would do them harm. So when people say defund the police, that undermines the ability of the government or the state to protect the people. In one city that did that extensively, they are now recruiting people to join the police force at $8,000 a year starting pay plus a bonus. They found out this doesn't really work. It doesn't work. In one city, they said, do not call 911 unless it is a matter of life and death. Otherwise, we're not responding because we don't have the people. It diminishes, when we diminish the ability of the government to protect the citizens, it's not a good thing. Punishment is another one. When people break the law, they are to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and then have a, a penalty that they pay. But in many cities now, the district attorneys and the prosecutors, there's no cash bail, so somebody can do a violent crime in the morning, get arrested, and be let out in the afternoon, and the next day they do the same thing. They say, no consequence to me, why, why should I change? In California, if you can, bring, you can bring in a huge big black shopping bag into a Walgreens or a Walmart or whatever you want, 
Target, fill it up with stuff off the shelves, and if it doesn't add up to $950, you can walk out of the store with it because it's not theft. It's not considered theft. This is why Target, Walgreens, Walmart, and a lot of other stores are leaving California. They can't, they can't continue to do this, but the state says that's okay. They're not fulfilling their duty to protect and to punish. And then we have the duty to promote. And that is to promote the well-being of the community. And one of the ways you do that is through the education of your children. And in so many places, right now I think the United States and the world, we used to be on top with education and standards for our kids. I think we're down in the 30s, like 37 or 38 in the world right now. In Baltimore, out of 13 high schools in Baltimore, there's more than that, but of 13 high schools, not one student is at grade level in reading or math. Not one. The state is not fulfilling its function of promoting the well-being of its citizens. So these are specific things in specific areas where the government is not meeting its obligation. But he says, God says, the Bible says respect for government is an important form of respect for God. In Romans, Paul says this, He says, pay all of them their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. In 1 Peter, Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should be put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Live as free men, yet without using your freedom as a pretext for evil. But live as servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Hmm. If the first half of this lesson is respect for the state, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, the second half is the limitation of the state. Give to God the things that are God. The coin bore the image of Caesar. We bear the image of God. We, God's people, bear the image of God. We respect the state, but we do not give it ultimate loyalty. We're to give the state a great deal, but not our conscience or our worship. There are times when you say no. Back in Vietnam, some of you remember Lieutenant Cali. Lieutenant Cali went into a, a, a Vietnamese village and he told his troops, you've got to get these guys in a hole, all the civilians, and they stood around there and they just fired into the hole until everybody was dead. There was a price to pay for that. And out of that came something called the Law of Armed Conflict, which had to do with the treatment of civilians in a wartime situation. And number 10 in the Law of Armed Conflict was if you, as a soldier, believe that the law that is, the order that is given is immoral or illegal, you do not have to obey it. You don't have to obey it. Now, in the end, it may be determined that the law was absolutely legal and moral, and you might be court-martialed. But if that's the way you see it, you don't have to do it. That's a change from the way things used to be, and it was because of, of Cali. In Nuremberg, there were a lot of people at Nuremberg who said, wait a minute, what are we doing here? The, the, the government passed a law that said you can kill the Jews. That's all we were doing, obeying the law. 
following the law. What are we, what are we on trial for? Because the state doesn't get to say you can annihilate murder and get rid of a particular group of people. They don't get to say that. And you have all this anti-Jewish stuff going on right now around the world. In Sydney, Australia, this past week, there was a huge thousands of people, and the, the thing they were saying was, gas the Jews. That was their chant. Gee, where did they do that? The Holocaust, Sinai, gas the Jews. Mm. No, we don't get to do that. Two o'clock this afternoon on the square, there's going to be a prayer time for the Jewish community. If you can be there, please be there. I've got a baptism class or two, but when we're done with that, I'm going down. Kathy's going to be down there. So two o'clock on the square. We need to stand up. We need to stand up. I remember John MacArthur back in the COVID days, the church said you've got to, you can't have, the government said you can't have church. And John MacArthur in California said, yeah, I think I can. So he stayed open and he got, he got pushed really hard by the government, but he stuck to his guns. More people came and he finally won the lawsuit, which was a good thing. I watched a video one time during that time of a, a guy in Lexington, Kentucky, and he's in the parking lot of his church and there was going to be a big screen and you tune into the sermon. It's going to be about an hour and he's sitting there, and there's a knock on the window, and he lowers his window, and it's a police officer. He said, sir, you can't be here. Well, I'm just here for the church service. I'll be here like an hour. I'm here by myself, you know. Sir, you cannot be here. So let me get this straight. I can't sit here in my car by myself for an hour to listen to a church service, but I can drive three blocks up the street and park in the parking lot of a liquor store for all day long and no consequence. Is that what you're telling me? Sir, I'm just doing my job. That's what he said. It made no sense. The government overstepped its bounds more in more than one way during that time. During that time. And finally, people said enough is enough. In certain places, they said enough is enough. I love Billy. Billy Woods was our sheriff then. And the edict came down. Restaurants can open, but they can only be at 50% capacity. And somebody asked Billy, are you going to enforce this? He said, well, you know, my deputies aren't all that good at math. So I thought, well, that's good. Good for you. We should not say America, love it or leave it. If something needs fixing, we should fix it. You don't need me to tell you that America is not perfect, but if we truly love it, we want to make it the best it can be. So there's also a lax quietism, I think, that gives the state too little attention, and we need to pay attention. We need to pay more attention than we have been. And I'm, I'm really being in the direction and hopefully um, getting more people to think this way of God's people having a bigger voice than we have had in the past as we confront these various things in our society that need to be dealt with. There's also a lax quietism that gives the state too little attention and we need to be, again, paying attention. So not to know the issues, not to know the truth, not to vote or care about it, the political issues, it's convenient, but it's not discipleship. There is a cost to our silence. We need to speak up. We need to make our voices heard now more than ever. We're always challenged in this area too much, too little, because we're citizens of both kingdoms, 
We actually sang a national song on the way in, and we're going to sing a national song on the way out. They are both in the hymn, 717 and 17 and 719. I love it. Church and state do mix, but we've always got to be looking for the proper balance. Choose your battles wisely. Not every battle is worth fighting, but some are critical. I love it when, that more and more parents are stepping up and going to school board meetings because of the issues that their children are dealing with in the schools. You know, when you don't have any child in a high school who's at reading and, and, and math level, there's a problem. What are they learning? They're not learning that. What, what are you exposing them to? And parents are starting to speak up and come to the meeting and say, wait a minute, this isn't appropriate. Change this. I love the pastor. There's a pastor going around the country to school board meetings, and he's got a book that's in a, a lot of these, like, fourth and fifth grade libraries, and it's called Flamer, and it's a bad, bad book. And he goes to the school board meeting, and he starts to read it at the school board meeting. And the school board, whoa, whoa, stop, you can't read that here. That's very inappropriate. No, 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 what are you doing? And he said, um, but this is in the fourth grade library. They can read it, but I can't read it to you. What's the deal? And they, people didn't know that, and so they start to take action to change it, and they change it for the better. Cooperate with and support the state as far as your faith will take you. We have the means to change that. We have the means to, to affect these sorts of things, and it's reasonable. Petitions, speaking, voting. I'm, I'm always disheartened by the percentage of voters, you know, what percentage of the registered voters voted in the last election? Six? What's the typical number, PG? You know. Six? Yeah, six percent, less than 20 percent. People need to be more involved, and we need to be more aware of the, of the issues that we have. That are, that are facing the community. And we can talk to each other and, and get a good grip on what's the right answer and who's supporting the right answer in the election, that kind of thing. Most of the time, people don't even know there's an election. <laughs> That's the truth, sadly. Um, we don't need to be a hermit, and we don't need to be a rebel either. When resistance is required, we pray. Citizenship requires compromise, but Christians should not compromise Christ or do injustice before God. Pray as we move forward that we can be loyal citizens and honor God at the same time. A good Christian is a good citizen. Amen.